Welcome to the Leverage to Scale show. I'm Amber Vilhauer, founder and CEO of LeverageToScale.com, brought to you by NGNG Enterprises, standing for No Guts, No Glory. We work with purpose-driven business owners to develop their online platform and scale their influence. We believe that you have the opportunity to positively change the world one relationship at a time. Stick around to the end of the show in about 20 minutes and I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing marketing podcasts. Let's go. So today I have Jay Hodge, president of Jay Hodge and Associates joining me. Jay, welcome. Well, thank you very much, Liz. It's nice to be here. Thank you. What do you do at Jay Hodge and Associates? I don't do anything. I, <laughs> I just sit around and twiddle my thumbs and, and do podcasts. No, no, n- not at all. Um, you know, in my, in my business, if you don't have a sense of humor, you're going you're gonna to fade away really, really fast. So, um, no, what I do, um, you know, it's interesting you ask me, what do I do? It, it's really not about what I do. Um, it's really about what my clients do. Um, um, as a advisor, my, my clients like to refer to me as an advisor, not a consultant. Um, what I do is really more about them and helping mm-hmm. them understand what they're capable of doing. Um, so it's not about my plaques and certificates on the wall or anything like that, or, or really my experience. It's my ability to help people understand what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. So that's the easiest way to say, what do I do? I help people understand what they're capable of. Okay. How did you get into this? It's interesting. I, I started my, I consider the beginning of my career as the Marine Corps because it took a very shy, um, somewhat undersized individual um, that kind of faded, you know, in high school, I faded into the crowd. I, mm. I didn't want to stand out. I didn't want to be the one um, at the front of the crowd. Um, and it turned me into well, I'm not going to ask my wife what she would say it turned me into, um, but it turned <laughs> me into a little more of a uh, an aggressive and forward thinking person who's not afraid to to step out. And uh, um, so I think from the Marines and then, you know, my career as a leader at General Motors and Toyota and Caterpillar and Tenant Healthcare and then starting my own company, um, it, it showed me. I guess it really showed me what my passion was. And my passion is, is a uh, potential and then seeing people reach the potential. Cause you know, if you take a five foot five guy, that's 120 pounds and throw him into the Marines and, and all of a sudden he starts to see some really great um, success. Um, mm. And I give that credit to my wife and my savior uh, that seeing that success in other people is really what, what, drives me. It's like, mm-hmm. I just love watching people succeed. Okay. Um, what is your why? Why do you get up and work hard every day? You know, probably because um, as a Christian, God gave me abilities. And if I don't use those abilities, I think, uh, why did, why did he give them to me? Um, and because, and, and you know, this doing what you do, it's not about us. It's not about me. Um, I have a, uh, 
my, my first son. So I've got a 31 year old son, a 28 year old daughter and an 18 year old son who's getting ready to go off to college tomorrow. And I, I, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to ball like a baby. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I admit it. I am. He's been my little buddy for the last 11 years and I'm just, I'm going to miss the heck out of him. Um, so, you know, when I look at my why, um, my first son, Justin, um, about six months after he was born, we found out that he was blind. And, oh, wow. you know, as a 21-year-old 20, father, um, that's devastating. I, I mean, I was a young Marine. We didn't have anything. We had, my wife and I were just starting out. And how am I going to be a, a, a dad? I don't know what to do, let alone just be a regular dad because I've never had a kid before. But then to be a father to a son with a disability. And, uh, you know, my wife was was instrumental. She She and I took a different approach. You know, people said, well, he's going to be institutionalized. He'll probably be in the school for the blind and all of that. And we said, no, 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 it's not going to happen. And so we raised him and, and just did some freaky, weird stuff, everything we could think of to help him be part of the normal school, mm-hmm. be part of the normal activities. And um, it, it paid off and, and not because of us, um, but because of, you know, what he's capable of. He ended up being number three in his high school class, going to college, graduating with a mechanical engineering degree. Wow. Uh, he's a, he's a freak of nature, just to be very honest. <laughs> I, I consider um, it, it's one of those things when he got married to Aaron, his beautiful wife, you know, when I was speaking, I told him, I said, it's, it's an amazing thing that you can look at your son and say that your son is your hero. Mm-hmm. Most people have their fathers or uncles or some president or something like that. Um, so he taught me, and I'll give a lot of the credit to my kids. He taught me, though, that there are no excuses. There's um, never a reason to. There's never a reason to to bow down. There's never a reason to stop. There's never a reason to say mm-hmm. I can't because he never did. He ended up being a phenomenal wrestler. I mean, most people think that someone with a visual um, impairment um, isn't going to do sports. Well, obviously, bat- baseball would have been a very, very bad idea. Um, <laughs> but he could wrestle. And mm-hmm. I wrestled and I coached wrestling and he turned out to be a phenomenal wrestler and he's just excelled in life in every aspect. So, um, you know, the, the why is seeing that same potential in the organizations, the CEOs, uh, the, the frontline leaders, the directors, because mm-hmm. um, it's amazing when I go and I, I sit down with the CEO, a lot of them aren't lost, but they don't know how to get their company to reach its potential. I mean, because they've been promoted up through the ranks, but now they're sitting on top of this organization with 100,000 people or 10,000 people or or 2,000 people. And they're thinking, how do I get that 10,000 people to understand what their potential is? Because the success of this organization isn't a derivative of my ability. It's a derivative of my ability to help them understand their potential. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them just don't understand how to do that. And so when I enable them or work, them and help them make that happen it's just like you sit back and you just watch it's like watching a, a garden bloom you just sit back and go I was part of that but it's fun to just watch mm. what does a typical engagement with a client look like when you're helping them realize their potential it all depends upon the type of the uh, the client if it's manufacturing or healthcare it starts with leadership just to be very honest mm-hmm. um the first meetings I always have are with the leaders and I ask a simple question. Are you going to be um, willing to get involved in this process every single day? 
because if you're not, it's not going to work. It's just going to be a flavor of the month or some super mm-hmm. subscript that people read, just like an email or a plaque you put on the wall or something you put in the employee cafeteria that's supposed to motivate them. Um, but after the reading it three times, they never look at it again. Right. The one thing that they look at on a daily basis is the leader. Um, and so if when I, when I sit down with the CEO, president, and the senior leaders, if you're not going to be willing to be involved in this, don't waste your money on me and don't mm-hmm. waste your time trying to make something that's never going to happen happen um, because it requires your involvement. So, mm. And so what does your ideal client look like when people are coming to you? Who do you find that you resonate the most with? Um, it, it all depends, but the one thing that's common is a senior leadership team that says, we don't have all the answers. Mm. We know where we're capable of going. We have a strategy. We've identified, you know, what our one, five, 10, and sometimes even 15 year outlook looks like, but we can't get us there. We already know this. We know it in advance. We can't get us there. Um, because what a lot of organizations fail to understand is that a strategy by itself means nothing until you can roll that strategy down into tactical daily to daily activities, um, clear objectives, um, clear communication, accountability, to roll those down into the, the troops that actually touch and impact your, your patients and customers every single day. Um, it's an organization that says, we need to know how to do that mm. and we need to know how to engage them and sustain that engagement because it, you know, every, every organization has a, has gone through a flavor of the month. In fact, you can mm. probably walk into any, any company and pick five people and say, let's talk about the last five flavors of the month, the ice cream truck um, strategies that we've uh, implemented over the last 20 years. And they'll roll off 10 different answers. Um, this can't be that. Um, this cannot be something that people just tag along and do it for six months because they know something else is going to come along. And, and that's what's interesting is if the, if the senior leadership team is on board with that and they're involved daily and they, and they sustain that involvement, mm. all of a sudden after four or five, six months, people realize, oh, this isn't going away. I either need to get in, get on board or... I'm going to get out because I don't want, I don't like accountability and I I don't like being part of this um, where we actually have to work a little harder to get where we're capable of going. So um, someone, uh, a leadership team that says we don't have the answers they do. We need to get them involved and we'll succeed together. Mm. I I can see that. Um, adding accountability in places where it hasn't previously been is an interesting source of um, not contention, but for employees who maybe don't want that type of uh, accountability, it does kind of like Mm -hmm. weed out people that you really want on your team and maybe some people who it's time for them to positively transition to another opportunity. Right. That was a very nice way of saying that. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, yeah, I try to put the uh, positive spin and put it in a positive light where wherever I can. <laughs> I understand, but but you're right though, um, and, and and that's not a negative thing. A no, lot of not people at all. think, oh my gosh, we've got you know I've got 300 people in my department, and chances are that 12 of them are gonna leave because this is this is just something they can't handle. In all honesty, if 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 they stay with the organization, a couple of things are gonna happen. They're gonna become what I refer to as the anchors, 
Mm-hmm. So they're going to hold the rest of the organization, the rest of the department back. But they're also not going to be open to the ability to find what they're really passionate about. Because if they're mm-hmm. not truly engaged in this, that means this isn't their passion. Right. And if they, they wallow in something that's not their passion for the rest of their career, it's doing them no good. So, you know, if, if the exit exit process, you know, they find something that, that where they find their passion. And, and every leader has had someone come up. Uh, um, including myself um, years down the road that you've had to let go or had to help find other opportunities. And they say, you know what, that move was one of the best things that ever happened. I wasn't happy about it when it happened, right? but now it forced me to find what I'm good at. I wasn't, I did, I wasn't content and I didn't settle for that position. I found something and this is what I love. And I just, it's just me. So. Yeah. I think sometimes it does take like somebody who's maybe a little bit farther down the road to help you realize that this is not a good fit for you long-term. Like you're not going to be successful here in this situation. And as hard as that is, I mean, it hurts, right? Like these are yep. people you work with for however many around a time, but at the end of the day, you do hope that people have that moment of self-reflection where it's like, Oh, this is so much better. I love this so much more. I mean, I, I've had that happen in my life where somebody looked mm-hmm. at me and were like, you were not a fit for this and it was right. hard, but it was good in the long run. Well, I understand because, you know, being five foot five, I applied for the NBA and they said, Jay, you don't have any ball skills and you're just short. So no, it's okay. <laughs> you know what I had to, if, if I had to played in the NBA, you know, I might not have liked that. So I found my passion doing this. Yeah. So it all worked out. <laughs> I see you. You look at the bright side. I like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so transitioning a little bit from the bright side, tell me about some of the hard moments as you've um, worked on advising companies over this last few years. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I can't really look back and say that there were any hard moments. I'd say that there were some disappointing moments. Okay. Um, when I say disappointing, um, you know, any success that an organization sees, I don't take credit for any of it. I, mm-hmm. I don't. It, it's the leadership and it's the team's. Um, but I have had a couple organizations that reached out and, you know, it, it's one thing for me when I'm sitting with someone, uh, senior leaders or directors, and, you know, you can put on a show for a while, mm-hmm. but you can't put on a show for a long time. Acting is acting. Yeah. Um, so, you know, after, you know, yes, so absolutely we'll be involved. Oh, every single day. And I talk about it in my book. Um, after a while, you know, two, three, four months down the road, the participation in the daily activity drops off. Mm. And all of a sudden I can see that they're not as involved because, you know, there's other things that are more exciting. And all of a sudden what they don't realize is that when, when their involvement wanes, mm. the next level, the senior VPs or the VPs or the general managers, all of a sudden they see that too. Yeah. And they say, well, if it's not as important today as it was five months ago to them, then, then I, you know, I can find other things that I need to be doing too. And then it's trickle down effect. The general manager starts, you know, not being there every single day or on the designated days a week. And then the directors start to see that. And, and then they start waning. And all of a sudden the attendance at the, uh, these activities of these daily huddles or these safety huddles or, or operational um, touch points starts to wane. A year down the road, there's two people standing there going, so where's everybody else? Well, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. And they're like, well, hey, want to grab some coffee? Sure. So instead of it actually um, 
adding value. It just becomes a, a burden, a, a time-consuming mm-hmm. activity. And, you know, you can see that and there's nothing you can do about it if the leadership isn't willing to get involved. So I take some of that responsibility just because, you know, I was involved and I, I hate, I hate mm-hmm. to see that. And it just becomes one of those tasks instead of a, a, an engaging activity. So, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't think any consultant slash advisor has ever had a 100% success rate with leaders. Yeah, because people are their own, you know, like you said, you can take, you know, what you're doing and it's not about you. It's about them and what they can accomplish. And ultimately, we're all responsible and accountable for what we accomplish. And so, you know, the age old adage, uh, you can lead the horse to water, but you can't force it to drink sort of deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you do what you can and you empower as much as possible. And then they have to take that next step. Exactly right. Wow. What's the name of your book? It's called the Lean Treasure Chest. It's it's, hmm. it's it's not a novel. It's about 376 pages of teaching people what lean is actually about. A lot of people have a misconception. You know, with the, all the um, lean Six Sigma, and I'm a I'm a black belt on the Six Sigma side, lean Six hmm. Sigma side. But what a lot of people don't understand about lean is that it, there's a misconception. And after working at Toyota for years, I understand lean fairly well. I think. Hmm. Um, Lean is, is a concept about understanding waste, but it's, that's where a lot of people stop. They think it's about understanding and reducing waste, but what they don't understand is that the reason you want to reduce the waste is because when you reduce the waste in a process, you're increasing the value delivery. And everybody's in business for value delivery, not reducing waste. Hmm. And so and so it talks about that. And, it, you know, it, it applies to the concepts at the CEO level through the CFO, the financial side, the marketing side, the, the manufacturing, the healthcare side. It applies to every level in an organization. It's not just something that you use um, where, you, where you're screwing bolts on a car or anything like that. So, hmm. Nice. How can yeah. our community jump on board and support you? Um. You know, I, I don't think it's about supporting me. I think it's more about me supporting them, to be honest. Um, the community is out there. I'm out there. Um, I think what what our company has to offer, and I've got um, 16 associates, very, very strong associates. If they wanted to go out to our website, um, it's www.thelettergehodgeassoc.com. Um, and, you know, I, I, I tell people if they wanted to jump on board, they can um, go to our website. They can email me. Um, mm. And it, it's not a contract. I mean, if you want to call me and ask ask questions or say, hey, what would you do in this situation? Or just get some advice, reach out. Good gosh. I have plenty of time. And, and that's how you make contacts. And that's how you uh, expand your social network, as my <laughs> son likes to say. I, 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 my, yeah. I'm, I'm not a social guru by any means. If, you know, this is not a joke. But if I could go back to regular phones, I would. And I know I'm talking to someone who uses social media as a platform <laughs> and you're awesome at it. But yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm old, I admit it. So, so. <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily, uh, that's like a false equivalence. Equival- equivalence. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Like, Well, my son equival- <laughs> equivalates those. Okay. You're just so old, dad. <laughs> yeah, I know that. <laughs> Oh, well, Jay, thank you so much for joining me today and thank you for your service. I appreciate it. And um, yeah, I hope you have a great day. 
Thank you so much, Liz. You have a great day too. Thanks. so much for listening to the Leverage to Scale show. If you are a purpose-driven business owner or professional who would like to have a global impact by being interviewed on our show, please visit leveragetoscale.com forward slash guest. Now, if you got something out of this interview, would you do me a favor and share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on your favorite social network. If you do that, just be sure to tag us with a hashtag leverage to scale. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and pick one winner from each platform. What do you win? We are going to promote you and your business to all of our social media fans totally free. Next, if you thought this was a valuable use of your time, please support the show and give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. I believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. My name is Amber Vilhauer, and I thank you so much for your time. Let's connect on your favorite social channels. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being a part of the No Guts, No Glory movement.